like that intro. Oh, get yeah. me in the, in the holiday spirit. spirit. I'm uh, snuggling up here with my uh, spiked hot chocolate. We've got some some peppermint schnapps in the house, which has been Ooh, oh, it's been a, a, you a can't, good addition. That's the perfect thing to spike hot chocolate with. And like, like you either spike something with just like a little whiskey right. or something like that, like a flavored, you know right. what I mean? It is, a, it, I mean, it's very potent. So in order to get like the balance of <laughs> like drink that I want, you know, it's uh, it's got to be a little pepperminty, a little, little too pepperminty, but it is nice. And it's the perfect drink to be drinking here in this season, the holiday season. I hope everybody's enjoying whatever uh, celebrations or traditions uh, that they do. <laughs> um, Hopefully in, safely. Yes. Feeling in a, in comfortable. Way. I also want to shout out, this is our 50th episode, man. Oh, I didn't even realize, but wow. What a we cool way to celebrate 50 episode 50. Yeah, absolutely. To Happy go holidays. Back to, like, one, uh, one of these movies that is basically the quintessential movie for the basis of this podcast which is movies that we loved as oh kids. yeah this was this was a probably annual watch in in my house i think we had the dvd for sure i didn't know when like when i was watching it this time i was thinking in my head when did i stop watching this movie every year because mm, yeah. it feels like it's been a long time but also was definitely like a yearly watch and that's something i thought so i'm glad you say it. we have the same connection to this movie i think of it being like that well if you didn't realize already from the title of this episode when you clicked on it the movie that we're talking about is john favreau's 2003 flick elf Ooh, 2003 i didn't yeah, even think about right? that because I remember they talked about it a little bit in, in the uh, Netflix documentary we'll bring up. Yep. Um, but you saying that right now, that's 17 years ago. Yeah. You know? Will <laughs> yeah. Ferrell, John Favreau, those men have had such broad careers since this movie. Oh, yeah. And now that we know what we know about this movie, which we'll talk about, mm -hmm. um, it's even crazier to think about this as like almost a lifting off point but also just a right. well worn like a well aged yes. classic you know what i mean Absolutely. by that it's becoming that now it's timeless yes and we're now able to see that like movies like right. um that we've talked about on this podcast have you know kind of we've kind of looked for that when we watched sinbad oh, yeah. there were some things that we were like as an from an animation perspective maybe that didn't age well that yep. definitely did um, when we're watching Spider-Man, we notice things in one that maybe, you know, maybe that takes away from its aging. But two, made up for that with some things. Osmosis Jones, the uh, yes. animated bits really yes. did age well, where the non-animated <laughs> live action, <laughs> where the live action shit, I would say, aged yeah. like milk. And uh, yeah. this movie is now old enough to have aged. And it's aging like a fine wine. Oh, yeah. The finest of Christmas wines. <laughs> um, just to give a, a little bit of a reminder to those of you who haven't seen it recently. Um, and A, if you haven't seen it recently, what, go watch this movie. Like, It's absolutely. on your shelf. You it, own it. It probably so is. just put know, it in your... Just go look at you the have DVDs that you have DVD that's the two-disc, widescreen, yep. full-screen... With the, like, white container. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. You've got that. Go get it. And, put it in. <laughs> and if you I haven't actually, seen this movie, uh, go watch it. 
and and for those who are into physical media, I'm not sure if it's. I didn't even look because we all own this. Like mm-hmm. you, you have this, don't you, Calvin? Like you watched. I was looking DVD for the DVD. I think someone in my family has it, and because I was mad that I didn't. I was gonna say if you need it, uh, and you have. Um, I feel like a lot of people in this modern era have transitioned to the Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, the way of the Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> and I know that this movie is available on Blu-ray, DVD, digital, like one of those packages. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe just Blu-ray, and I might be fucking it up. Let's just say <laughs> Blu-ray so that if you ha- need a DVD, you don't go out of your way and accidentally yeah. are saddened by this news. But on Blu-ray, $10 at Target. Wow. I don't like to usually like be like, corporation, go buy from it. But yeah. I, I don't know. Target's a Minnesota-based yeah they're all right right i don't know i remember none of them are all right no find a bootlegger and buy it from them on your corner yeah yeah there you go but no ten dollars for a blu-ray to me is worth it so i i bought that to watch this and uh it was Mm -hmm. cool it was a good i didn't usually that's the thing i look for when i watch a a new like release like a blu-ray or a 4k like is anything like wildly like is it dark in some scenes it shouldn't be is mm. the color grade worse sure and i'm pretty yeah. sure it's just the same they just made it high def or whatever yeah. you know it was great so the the course of this movie wait i don't even know if we've introduced the show well now i will formally introduce you to a new lens uh i'm calvin this is a podcast that gary and i started to talk about film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers and this is absolutely one of the films that i liked most as a kid um this movie elf stars will ferrell as a human who snuck his way as a baby into santa's sack was brought up to the North Pole and raised as an elf. He, of course, finds out that he is a human, which (laughs) is pretty funny. Like, it took him this long to figure out (laughs) that he's, (laughs) like, three and a half feet taller than everyone else. Um, But Santa tells him that his father, who is actually on the naughty list, lives in New York City. And so Buddy the Elf goes on an adventure to find his dad and reconnect with him he does find his dad played by james khan and oh yeah and uh it's this very sweet story of james khan walter is the character pushing buddy away time and time again but buddy slowly making his way into his heart and into his family as uh buddy begins to create a friendship with Walter's son and charm his wife a bit Emily played by Mary Steenburgen ooh yeah um another great appearance in in this movie we'll get to that and Buddy messes up a lot but in the end he manages to uh win the hearts of these people as well as Jovi played by Zoe Deschanel who works in a local like Christmas store shop that uh, he sort of finds his his way into, and they have a bit of a romance that buds, and then there's this beautiful ending where Santa is having trouble getting his sleigh off the ground because of the Christmas spirit in the world has gotten so so low, especially in New York City, and Jovi begins to sing and get everybody to sing, basically across the whole city, and once 
James Caan, Walter, joins in. The sleigh flies off into the distance, and uh, we have this beautiful happy ending and a little bit of an epilogue seeing what happened with all these characters. Um, I could go into so much more detail because there's so many wonderful moments, but I'm sure we'll, we t- we'll touch might. on a lot. Oh, yeah. T- touch on uh, a lot. This movie surprised me because I remembered there being a point in time in my life where I was like, I've outgrown things, you know? Yeah. And I looked at this movie as just like, it's a Christmas movie. Like, you mm-hmm. can't be, you know, hating on Elf. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But you can't, you know, it's not some, oh, what masterpiece or whatever. <laughs> but watching I mean, it this yeah, time, I was fun. like struck by just how good and how solid, you know, solid is yes. the word I want to use because it's round a well-rounded, solidified piece of art. It's not yeah. just uh all right, let's make a Christmas movie and make some money here. Right. Um and Absolutely. I think we're going to be able to like really shine some light on why in this uh first little talk we'll have about the, the pre-production, the pre-production process. yeah because um, you actually turned me on to this netflix documentary there's this series uh they've got a few episodes called the movies that made us and then they made series, a new series called the holiday before we talk about why us. it's great i want to talk about what bothers me about it oh, they release absolutely. like okay there are two things actually oh okay the first thing is easy they don't release enough episodes. There are like yeah. two in each of these, or three in the other one. Yeah, and I, I just three in the holiday. It's cool enough of an idea that if they had like a season of it, I think this could be a cool, like, successful show. Yeah. But the other thing that bothered me about it, and Ooh, I checked with yeah. Calvin to see if I was like alone on this, and it's a warning for those who are like, "Oh, cool, I might check this out." Can, can I tell it from my it. perspective? Yes, please, please <laughs> so, do. I don't think you should watch this, Uh, especially if you're listening to this episode. We're going to tell you everything that you need to know from it. That was great (laughs) uh, to find out. But uh, so I'm I'm getting ready to watch this. Gary's like, hey, I just put this on just so you know, like uh, so excited to learn more about the backstory of this movie. And then I'm about to put it on. It's about like 20 minutes later. And he's just like, I hate the editing of this so much. And I was like, the editing? Like weird. Like are they just putting clips together oddly or something? And I wasn't sure if it, he was like, I don't know if it'll be a problem for you or not or anything. And I put it on and within the first like minute and a half, yes, I, I almost shut it off. They cut in clips of people talking every sentence like every sentence this woman speaks she's like and then the writer came on and he said his favorite movie was rudolph like and then it cuts it cuts in a clip of him saying rudolph and it does that shit every sentence like the whole thing is just if it's it's not cutting in an actual interviewed clip of that writer being like my favorite movie's rudolph it'll cut in a clip of because they might be talking about an actor right but they won't always cut with a clip from the actor from elf they'll cut with whatever works in their sentence yeah (laughs) so there were so many moments when they were talking about john favreau that they cut to him talking on the phone in the movie swingers god yeah and it was just like we get it (laughs) john favreau like just (laughs) stop cutting he wasn't in much before this he's on the phone he's making calls i get it 
Oh, yeah, it was really hard to watch, honestly. Gary, you said you had to, like, stop it, right? I did. I took a pause, and I watched something that was, uh, which usually we would talk about what we've been watching, and this is my way to cheat that into this episode. (laughs) Okay. I uh, paused it to watch just something purpose, like, that I think is, like, purposefully bad. Like, reality (laughs) TV feels just, like, ham-fisted. Just this is for sure, like... You're drunk watching this, right? That's right. what it feels like to me. And I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So it was a good way to like really saturate myself in that feeling sure. of like over edited. Every five seconds there's the right. sound of like the drama or shishing as right. someone like looks over, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, and then going back to it, I was like, okay, this is like a level down from that. So I could <laughs> Slightly, finish. Yeah. That's what I did. And that was Ink Masters, by the way, was the oh, reality yeah, you TV. Sent me, you sent me a Snapchat <laughs> of that. And you Just said like, it like oh, brought you back, but I didn't. I never watched it. It brought Masters. me back to an era. That's okay, what it is. Yeah. I, I didn't I watch see. a ton of Ink Masters as a kid, but the whole era of like showing each competitor shirtless turning (laughs) being like yo like my name's doug and i'm gonna fuck this competition (laughs) up that kind of shit like i i need more of that in my life um but yeah watching it in two segments was what i needed uh the second half of it does get better with that but the first like 20 minutes is rough it's rough but let's talk about what's good in it yeah because <laughs> it, it, it had a lot, a lot of, good of really interesting information yeah um because the movie this this documentary um is interviewing the writer and uh, a lot of production crew members so like yeah. we've got like an executive producer and a couple of the co-producers um there aren't interviews with John Favreau and um, like Will Ferrell, right. but there's enough behind the scenes stuff you see too. There's yeah. even like cool behind the scenes clips you where really we good see, flavor. Yeah. yeah, it really gives you an idea of how committed uh, they were, regardless of what stories were told by the people being interviewed. The stories were held up. I will hmm. say, all documentaries, even these kind of documentaries, are biased. So, like, keep yeah, that in I, mind. We might have yeah. gotten some information that was a little bit of a guy being like, I wrote this movie, and I, it's my movie. You know, I don't know. You know the, what I mean by the that? The main thing that struck me about this movie, I do know what you mean. Um, it, the main thing that struck me is this was made by nobodies. This writer, yeah. um, David Berenbaum... He had not like made a movie yet. He he was. It would a, literally a writer, be like but... me writing a script and having a friend who's in the biz but hasn't made anything. Right. Giving and him that script. Exactly. He goes to this producer who ha- also does not have any movies technically under his belt. He has a, it, a co-producer. They, they were basically like just guys who graduated college and hadn't yeah. started their careers yet, but they had like an interest in what they knew what they were doing, and they mm-hmm. knew where to do it. They just hadn't right. done it yet. God, how lucky they got. <laughs> oh, my God. And I've heard this story too many times in Hollywood, too. When you find this shit out, I'm just like, wow. That is just the perfect pieces of a perfect puzzle fitting together. Right. Ah. I mean, th- there's so much luck involved with this. But also, one of the biggest thing that one of the biggest things that this documentary gave me re-watching it afterwards was just an appreciation of the fact that this movie made it and is a thing and is a phenomenon purely because it's just good you know there was no like huge pushing from a studio they even were able to like push back against the studio when it tried to get involved 
this wasn't like you know a Spielberg movie that like there was no big name attached it's just a great script executed by a bunch of people who were really passionate about it and that's so cool that's like the epitome of what I want filmmaking to be you know yep and to touch on what you were I think we should just talk since we want to probably talk about everything to keep mm-hmm. people from having to watch this and also no offense to who made this documentary for Netflix it's hard to get an editing job and sometimes yeah. you might just get the wrong editing job and someone else might be like I don't know your and assistant also, and I don't know I but, think like, it's whoever things. whoever like wrote this documentary I think is to blame because they wrote in a bunch of like yeah you you so, can hear the person who's doing the voiceover giving you know space because she's like and he said you know like exactly that's in a yeah. script so, it, it, so the it editor did be, the best they could with and i could totally see written, that but. being like a thing written by a production team you know what right I mean? yes because that felt like what would what would people like think is cool you know they want to like keep it exciting and engaging and it's just so anyway just tell me the yeah anyway to keep you from uh having to worry about that i want to touch on what calvin's talking about here um which is the pushback and push uh Mm. push and pushback for the studio so basically during the uh pre-production production process of this movie they already had will ferrell but all he had really done was old school as no, far as that uh, wasn't even out yet. Oh it no, was, it was uh, uh yeah, night, it was at, the, night at the night at the Roxbury. Yeah. Is that yeah, what it's yeah. called? Yeah, I think um, so. which is like not a critically acclaimed movie it's by any means. Bad. Isn't it just <laughs> yeah. a Saturday night live sketch turned into a movie, which yeah, you, never worked you know out that, except what for is Blues love? Brothers? Baby, yeah. don't hurt me. It's just like that those characters in a whole movie though. Jim Carrey. Yeah, it didn't. Well, Jim Carrey wasn't in the movie. He he just came on for that bit, which is largely why it's funny. And then they were like, hey, people love this. Let's make a movie out of it. And it did not hold without up. Without Jim Carrey. Yeah. Um, so he had done that. And basically, while this movie was being made, Old School came out yep. and was successful, mm-hmm. largely due to Will Ferrell giving a committed, comedic, raunchy performance that... I I don't know if you've seen Old School. It's been a really long time since I've seen it. Uh, it was one of those DVDs that we had as a kid yep, that I always saw too. and I never got around to watching. My mom had it, and yeah. uh, so like when I'd go there on the weekends, I'd be like, maybe I'll watch Old School. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't remember anything even about the plot of that movie. But I do yeah. remember Will Ferrell being very funny in it, and mm-hmm. it makes sense why the studio was like, hey, he funny in that. Make him funny in this, like <laughs> Make that. Make him same kind of funny. <laughs> in a completely so, different movie. Yeah. If you can imagine the movie where Will Ferrell is a little bit more Will Ferrell from old school in this, it yeah. sucks. That's just not a good movie anymore. In the same... Because, like, I think um, one of the main things that makes this movie so fucking fantastic is its sincerity. And yes, it would lose that if it, if it dove too deep into not just raunchy comedy, but comedy comedy this isn't funny because it's trying to be a comedy it's funny because it's like a fish out of water story it's sincere it's nonchalantly funny like the first the opening bit of this movie being like okay we've got like a storybook and as it transitions into live action it's just bob newhart dressed as a fucking elf telling the story (laughs) with total seriousness just hello 
So I'm going to tell right. you the story. You know, it's so, it's so nonchalant and serious. That's the yeah. movie, though. That's what makes it funny. Right. If this was old school, it would have opened on Jim Carrey or uh, Will Ferrell doing some like ah! yeah, right. joke or something. And, and I don't that's know. That's not in there, but it's in the context of a movie that is goofy in sort of a a dry yet ridiculous way. You know. Yeah, which I think has a lot to do with the original script but also knowing his movies yeah which this now might be my favorite Mm -hmm. john favreau he's a very dry and he's good at like real human interaction comedy like the comedy that he does the best like when you i just rewatched chef before watching this oh to kind of get another taste of john john favreau he's got just such an interesting now that he made the lion king What an interesting filmography of his. Mm. Uh, But Chef is great, and its best moments are just humans, like people being real people in a dry and funny way, almost like an Aaron Sorkin thing where you're like, people don't actually talk like this, but I'm really glad they are in this movie. You know what I mean? And Elf... But even even slightly more natural, John yes. Favreau's able to achieve, because Aaron Sorkin is very much like a script robot. To me, everything yeah. I've seen by oh, him is like, yeah. I'm saying the perfect line to you. Well, I'm saying the perfect line back. That doesn't make any sense. You know, like... Yeah, um, it's like 100%. Yeah, no, But John yeah. Favreau <laughs> understands movies. You know what I mean? Yes. There were yes. so many... Th- there's so much that I, I want to touch on uh, when we get to the direction, sh- should we move on to that yet, or do we want to talk a little bit more about the pre-production and stuff? Let's talk because, a little more, yeah, because we haven't. I, yeah. I don't think we've dove in pro- properly. We um, also, yeah. W- one thing, actually, now that I'm thinking of it, um, sorry to cut you off, but no, uh, yeah. the involvement of Rankin Bass, who were yes. the the producers that made all those classic stop motion. Uh, Christmas cl- classics, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, like all, all of those. Everyone um, in the world as a baby watched at least one of those. Right, you know? and they're like global influences, really. Um, they wanted to very... J- John Favreau specifically very much wanted this movie to take influence from that and um, basically, you know, sort of be in that world. And so they went ahead with that and halfway through this production some lawyers got involved and were like hey what where exactly are you getting influences from from that and suddenly after having shot a bunch of this movie like everything on the streets of new york and halfway through the production of all of the north pole scenes suddenly they had lawyers everywhere looking over their shoulders and being like where does this take inspiration from and they actually almost had to change elf's or uh buddy the elf's costume they got like a blue costume for him that they yeah, tried for like, like a day uh, and they were the like little blue this is not what's gonna that, work what's that like little blue piper the pied pipe i don't know there's like a the boy in blue some classic painting i don't know but he, it, <laughs> like they showed like what it would have looked like and it just Mm-mm. no just no didn't didn't work um and but there's luckily they were to, able to work it out and, yeah, uh, and to speak on that, it sounded like in the documentary, there actually wasn't a problem. It was lawyers just deciding to stir shit up yeah, without yeah. actually even, like, because Rankin Bass, the company, I don't know if the actual um, founders, like the yeah. dudes and Jules created Bass his original and stop Arthur motion, Rankin Jr., if like. they were even, like, you know, 
available at the time i'm pretty sure <laughs> right you know uh yeah. but it sounded like it was fine like there was never a feud and like they had to go to court i think everything eventually based on this, this documentary they were like yeah and then it just kind of they realized that there was nothing there like <laughs> they just worked it out i yeah I actually... they were fine with us doing it because when you watch the the similarities they point out in this documentary aren't similarities they're direct homages right you know his the costumes costume are the exact is... same costumes yeah. down yeah. to the minute detail there yeah. are characters from rankin bass like movies that literally show up you mm-hmm. know the the snowman guy isn't he like yeah a character from right? one of those movies i thought so i think he's slightly different but it's but based it's, I, it's like the character so um, I'm pretty sure they just had made that decision, and then some lawyers were like, you can't just do that. And then they're like, oh, no. And then whoever owns these ideas now, these properties, was like, no, it's fine. It's a Christmas movie. Like, yeah. It's Christmas. Right. Which I'm glad because I think that that is what brings this movie from being like, oh, this is a great Christmas movie to, holy fuck, this is like a timeless classic yeah you know what i mean right totally. those little elements make this movie campy and like fun enough to mm-hmm. feel i don't know beyond the realm of uh, movies these days just try too hard to be i don't know realistic yeah and this movie right. is not it no, he li- not. from what we understand he has lived off of candy for the first like 35 years 40 years of his life and that's yep. it and he hiked from the North Pole to New York by foot. Oh you know, like yeah, shit like right. that. I love that whole intro sequence. Me too. It all works um, so well because of that commitment to what John Favreau's idea was, which is he wanted to make a timeless classic. He was yep. he wanted stop motion. He wanted Rankin Bass. He wanted they they go through like that little list of things that he's like, all right, if I'm on if I'm on board with this, I want these things. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's the one editing choice they made in this documentary that worked is they like had four things he wanted and they were like, and the fourth right. thing he wanted, well, we'll save that for later. Yeah. And then in the end of the movie, they were like, the fourth thing, remember that? It was a timeless classic. That's what he wanted. I'm like, he they should have just yeah. said that. I mean, but at they, the same time, should've. it was like I will a say nice, like, oh, yeah. So those are the moment. things he like brought to the production crew. Like I have four things I want to say about this. It's based on, you know, Rankin Bass sort of stuff. And then a couple other things I forget. And when they left that fourth thing out, I was like, oh, come on, just tell me. And then yeah. at the end, when they brought it back, I'm going to be honest, I started to tear up a little bit because I was like, I, they yeah. made it happen. Like it worked. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think that's a, a, a good overview of, the pre-production of this movie like getting everything on its feet let's talk about the actual like writing and direction um i I think what what david berenbaum was able to get out on a page is so brilliant and so innocent he talked a lot in this documentary about how this movie in its essence is about a father-son relationship which really makes Mm -hmm. sense i mean it is a timeless christmas classic now holiday classic i mean it's it's very christmas based this is not a very you know 
denominationally open but it's fine to have christmas movies it's just we should have the other things as well in the world but i'm, I'm getting off on a, a social tangent um, i will say though it is uh interesting that you're getting off on that tangent because the writer of this movie is jewish and yeah. doesn't celebrate christmas he, he just, just always loves christmas, christmas movies. movies yeah yep. i think that's a really i don't know i think that's kind of beautiful that he uh connected with something that he doesn't necessarily like uh, celebrate but he connects with the celebration he connects yeah. with that feeling that connection with family and um they even talk about he talks about in that documentary being glad that john favreau was the director that was picked because john favreau is the same he connects with right. uh, that father-son story that's at the heart of this mm-hmm. it's an elf it's a fish out of water like right. that's the heart of the story when you look at it from a surface level but Mm -hmm. when you know that the writer of this movie like when he says it like that's him and he's saying it yeah this is a father-son story at the heart (laughs) i don't know that just reaffirmed uh like yeah yeah, and it and it made watching this i'm glad we watched that before watching the movie yeah because i cared a lot more about the father-son stuff not that it it doesn't do a successful job of making you care it really does yeah but i i looked for it a little more and holy shit I definitely it's yeah. just it's just done beautifully. After knowing that watching the movie it felt a lot more like a father son like family bonding movie told through the vessel of this goofy fish out of water holiday classic instead of a goofy fish out of water holiday classic with like a with thread a of you know which would be to move most the plot movies. along. Which, That's yeah. most blockbusters are what sells with a threaded in actual thing that, that might moves, emotionally that moves invest it you. along and gets you invested. This feels like it's based in what moves it along and gets invested. But also it's very it's very interesting. I mean, uh David Berenbaum said he wrote this when he was in New York completely alone, like away from his family and in the holidays and not able to like sort of celebrate in the way. And so feeling like a fish out of water in that way. So it also feels very personal, but I also love the way that he takes this sort of like, you know, these animated movies, these stop motion movies that have become these classics have this sort of ridiculous, jovial, cartoonish sentimentality to them. And that is what buddy the elf is you know and it is contextualizing that in the real world and showing how ridiculous it is but also showing how sweet it can be you know what i mean and on that to embrace the like out of this world sentimentality you know i think it's important to point out too um i actually was able to watch the first 20 minutes of this movie last night with a John Favreau commentary over it. Oh nice. I didn't think there would be that much more I could learn based on the documentary, but I was glad to get like one tiny tidbit of information at the beginning of this in, of this yeah. movie that yeah. is really cool. Um so in the Netflix documentary, uh the writer talked about basically being like, yeah, I want to write Rudolph, but instead of it being an, a reindeer who the other reindeer don't like cuz he's different, mm-hmm. it's an elf and the other elves don't like him cuz he's different. Like he mm-hmm. kind of admits like he didn't rip off the story but he's like that was like my main inspiration right in the first like 15 minutes of this movie uh john favreau during the commentary talked about one of the only elements of the script that they changed was Mm. that the other elves 
actually like Buddy and they're nice yeah. to him and they're they're not dicks it's just to him. A difficult situation. It, yeah, so that makes for his transition into the real world, New York, not right. this guy is a dumbass and he doesn't know what he's doing. It's he genuinely was coddled and he's sweet and yeah. he is too sweet for New York. And John Favreau right. saying that out loud, being like, he's just too sweet for New York, is just, uh, I don't know. I It made me smile because that is an element that was there in the original script, I'm sure. But just changing that little thing of making the other elves, now you know, like, his whole life, even as he's, like, fucking up, the other elves are like, it's all right. Just go do this thing. Right. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it also makes for him realizing that he's not an elf. It makes a little more sense that it took that long because right. all the elves have basically been, no, no, you're just different, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, but anyway, I like that they changed that small element for the overarching theme of, like, he's not an idiot in a fish-out-of-water tale. He's genuinely just Christmas spirit embodied, you know? Yeah. And yeah. people can't handle it. I love the sentiments that David Barenbaum... Uh, laid down and I love the way John Favreau handles it uh, especially you know what you were just saying and knowing to tweak that and knowing mm-hmm. to be like no this works better if they all like him at the beginning and he goes to this place where you know in the real world people aren't as you know sort of ridiculously open and sweet as they are in the North Pole even though they were like hiding from him you know and not expressing themselves truthfully because they didn't want to hurt his feelings uh but that's getting i wasn't even planning to get into that whole i just love the way that john favreau delivers this movie with its love for movies and stories and christmas tales you know it is because it is all of those things and he shows off what is best about all of those things with Uh, this movie yes Yes, definitely. The commitment to stop motion being yeah. the oh my God. Uh, only use of animation in this movie. There's no CGI. Mm-hmm. In the commentary, again, another thing I learned in those first 15 minutes, he hates that the snowflakes are CGI. He's yeah. like, I wish we could have figured out a way to stop motion those snowflakes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, my John Favreau impression will get old for you guys, but I'm sorry, <laughs> it's, it's going to keep coming. <laughs> um, He's just funny after Calvin and I. Yeah, fuck I was, it. I'm taking the five whether minutes. We should tell the story. We had an experience, so <laughs> Calvin and I have a specific like place in our heart for John Favreau because one day, uh, I think we had like a couple drinks or I, maybe not. Like maybe it was just out of the sheer uh newness of what this was that made it yeah. so funny there was yeah, but it's not new anymore now this happened like this. so people hearing this are but gonna be it, like yeah it I mean, doesn't happen very much any anymore it, there was i a think there was like, like a, a little few thing. months where yep. anyway tell the story. this is the first one for us basically yeah. what i'm referring to is when you're watching a movie and before the movie, the movie starts yeah in the theater and like Right when you think the movie's going to start, an actor comes on the screen and they're like, hey, this is uh, Chris Pine. I just wanted to say thanks (laughs) for watching this movie. We worked really hard on the set. And they show some clips of them all, like, behind the scene of Wonder Woman in 1984. And he's like, the amount of hard work and dedication it takes, like, thank you for coming. And then the movie starts. 
the first one Calvin and I had ever seen. And imagine that being something for the first time. Because like now, never, like, you're hearing that. I'm ready you for might, the you movie might be to start. like, Yeah, like, you might be like, yeah, that happens. But no, this, this, this didn't happen never yet. happened, yeah. And in my opinion, that's the easiest way to make you go, hey, you're about to watch something fake. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. You spend yeah. the first 10 minutes sitting there watching trailers to immerse yourself. In You're movies. in a place where you can look through a window into other universes. Right. Here are some of yeah. the universes that are coming. And now the universe you came for. Totally. Uh, hey, this is John Favreau. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say thank you for coming to see The Jungle Book. Uh, I grew up reading The Jungle Book. So this is one of my favorite uh, stories. And I put a lot of passion into it. Uh, we were dying I got my goatee was like, trimmed to perfection. Here? My glasses are looking really sharp on my face. I don't know. There was something about his like something goatee, glasses, way, yeah. one button, too many open on his shirt. The Jungle Book poster in the background. Oh, my him, God. I don't know. God love him. So whenever him. I God think of John Favreau, I see him hey, going, uh, hey, it's John Favreau. John Favreau. We put a lot of work thank into you this movie. For, and... <laughs> I grew up watching The Jungle Book. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Shout out to you, John Favreau. If somehow this oh ends up God. gracing your ears, thank no you for giving us some great movies and memories, but also yeah. that specific memory. That one. It's so good. At the time, was a jarringly. Why did this? Why did you do this? <laughs> yeah. But now I think about it constantly in a heartwarming way. Yes, um, me too. Just a couple of the ways that he does highlight. You know the storytelling of it, the the way the the animation from the very beginning and the book opening and the animations at the end and there's you know some interlaced uh, mostly in the beginning and then a, a a little bit at the end, but also these homages to movies like yes. I fucking love when Santa is coming down into the orphanage in the beginning of the movie and we don't see his face yet and he walks uh, through the room or uh, across the room to the plate of cookies he starts eating the cookies buddy as a little kid like opens his crib and he hears the sound and the way he turns around and it's just got that like strip of light across his eyes like dramatic and mystical and like and revealing who the actor is too like for those of you who know this actor you're going to be like yeah when you see that he's playing Santa you know oh my god it's great. Uh, and um, later we see Buddy having learned that he's a human, or having learned about his father being in the naughty list. We get mm. a Sam Raimi Evil Dead 2, like, shot speeding into his face. No! Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. literally like a horror movie shot. No! Or like yeah. the um, fucking, there's two more I want to bring up. The yeah. shot of him in New York in the crowd. Is mm-hmm. like this yes. beautiful long lens. They uh, even said it was an homage to uh, what's that movie? I can't remember because they did, didn't they? Yeah. Talked about it in the documentary. They even showed the clip so of the, they the said woman it's, walking it's down our the street. Whatever yeah. shot, which is a common mm-hmm. thing on set to be like, let's get our Evil Dead two shot or right. let's get our whatever. Because so many movies have been made. If you can think of a shot, it's probably been thought of before. Mm-hmm. But uh this one that I'm referring to is like the long lens, him walking amongst the New Yorkers and just being in an elf costume, yeah. like smiling. He's, look, he's smiling, then, but he's also like I'm like what crown. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And then the third one, uh <laughs> towards the end of the movie when we get a news anchor saying, 
we've got some footage coming to you. Uh, it seems there's a man dressed as an elf walking through Central right. Park, yes. and it's just like the Bigfoot Straight footage. Straight up Bigfoot, yeah. But it's... <laughs> Because Will Ferrell is just like a tall, lanky guy. <laughs> and dude, as yeah. a tall, lanky... We're both tall and yeah. lanky dudes. Yeah. There's just a special appreciation for like that <laughs> walk. Swinging his arms. Accentu- you know, yeah. just like, I'm a man walking. <laughs> like, uh, when I was in high school, someone once told me... And I, I don't know if this is like a good thing. I think it's funny, but it's probably not that funny. Uh, someone once told me that they always felt uncomfortable seeing me in gym class. And I was like, why? <laughs> and they're like, well, because like from a distance, it's just this like six foot three, like lanky guy <laughs> with glasses. And you kind of look like 30. And this is when I was like 16. Yeah. And you're surrounded just by kids. And it's just <laughs> like, what's going on there? Uh, yeah. And Will Ferrell very much has that energy of just like, oh yeah, that's a man. That's a tall, lanky man. Yep. And uh, that Sasquatch shot just cracked me up so much. Another like storytelling homage and filmmaking homage and just like, it's just classic. You know, I love things that you, you just can't describe any way other than it's just classic, you know? That's very much within my, my wheelhouse, my aesthetic. And I love the Central Park Rangers. The way Me that they just come into too. this story. They're just we, like, a, a force hear the newscaster to be in the background right. saying uh, the last time they used forces were a little shady. Right, in the Simon, Simon and Garfunkel, and Garfunkel concert, in 85. 85. <laughs> yeah. They're still under investigation. <laughs> right. Which like and, contextualizes why Santa's like, I put him on the naughty list and they right. never forgave me. Yeah. Like, I bet he Which, crashed at Simon and Garfunkel and they saw him and then he put him on the naughty list for trying to shut <laughs> right. him down. And now he's like always being hunted by the Central Park. And the way they're like on horseback, they're these like you know dark horseback riding yeah we don't see their faces we don't see their faces they're lit from the sides or from the back they're just these like nameless figures who only they serve exactly their purpose no more no less you know what i mean it's kind of awesome that this movie came out so close to the lord of the rings because there are multiple things that i'm like hey lord of the rings does that and you just did that in like a funny way totally Uh, one of the things being another john favreau decision to instead of having digitally uh placed elves or mm-hmm. cgi elves or something like that he used forced perspective yep and there's something um, like 40 different setups of forced perspective yeah. in the and first it, in my opinion movie. makes for such a fun feel because even the stuff that's like yeah i can tell that's forced perspective yeah makes me feel joyful like the little kid riding on the bike with bob newhart behind him way behind it doesn't look like a digitally cut in bob newhart like it doesn't look cgi it looks like he's there for real yeah it does look weird right but that's what's so good about the shot i don't know there's something so fun and campy and like it works so well and then this this the central park rangers just remind me of like the nazgul or something right yeah no totally and like it just feels like uh i don't know maybe coincidental maybe one of those things where as movies are coming out the directors are watching them and being influenced by them you know yeah absolutely 
Another thing that this documentary did fuck up too, because they basically said Elf is the first movie to do this in like 50 years. Yeah. In the commentary for Elf, John Favreau was like, "Lord of the Rings just did this." And I was like, <laughs> "Thank you. At least he knows." Yeah. You know, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Man, yeah the the music in this movie as well, so perfect for the movie that it that it is. You know, that we we have sort of this jazz when he gets to New York City. I love the music in the beginning, this sort of like whistling and, and you know, there's a, yeah, a couple whistling. It's like a mix of like well. old school Christmas movie music, actual Christmas music, right? and just movie music like him in New yep. York, you know? Uh, John Debney on the score there. Mm. Shout oh, out yeah. to you, John Debney. Great job. Um, and great uh soundtrack there's even i can't think of them off the top of my head because i feel like i'm on the spot but there are a couple songs in this movie and yeah. the choice to use them uh is great only song i was like mm, <laughs> zoe deschanel is singing baby it's cold outside and like that, that song has is, not aged well <laughs> that scene has is already that song hasn't aged well that scene is already like sort of treading a line, which I think it succeeds at. But the fact that they're also singing the song "Baby, It's Cold Outside" makes me go totally get you. I think the line is uh, that they nail. They tread a line and they step on the right side of it a hundred percent due to the performances. Yes, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, and I agree. I agree. Uh, those performances make this slightly shady song feel like from will ferrell's side a little bit like i don't even realize what i'm doing here right and from zoe deschanel's side what a good song to showcase her her voice you know what i mean but um like the song that plays when they're on a date for instance is a song i can't remember what it is but i remember thinking the lyrics and the vibe and Everything about this is perfect mm-hmm. for this moment because it's. Mm-hmm. I forget. It feel dumb when I do this on the podcast. Like I should have wrote down what the song was. But for those of you that are going to be watching this, pay attention to that because like it's it's not just like a Christmas song. I think it's a Christmas song about like opening up and uh, to the idea of having fun or like being mm. like a kid again or something. Because yeah. that's kind of what they do on their date. They just go around doing all the things Buddy did when he first came right. to New York. Yeah, totally. And it all feels very like like kid-like, you know? Yeah. Like a kid for the first time trying coffee, a kid for the f- jumping on mattresses, a kid, you know, all right. these things. And it's great. The production designers and the art direction also just want to uh, call out that uh, production design, Rusty Smith uh, was in charge of art direction, uh, Kelvin Humney. And I mean, just so many people involved with like, I could list so many names here. Uh, uh, but the what they pulled off because, you know, they were given a good budget by New Line Cinema, but it wasn't like their high priority. What they were able to create with these forced perspective things and with these sets, like when he runs out into the into the snowy north pole that was done in a hockey rink like and it looks so good with that background good background and honestly dude the costumes in this movie are so excellent too oh yeah even the like human beings in this movie like the regular people uh i couldn't help but think when walter's boss the the dude who he's gonna give a pitch to yeah he's got this like big colorful bow tie and i'm just like that's a boss you know and 
Buddy's clothes never have a fucking spot of dirt on them, and I, yeah. I love that. Yep. None of the elves are dirty. They, it, it's just like if this movie came out now, Buddy would have like bruises and cuts, and like have a right. dirty suit when he finally gets to New York or whatever. But in this, it's like, why would he? He's an elf, you know. His clothes are probably fucking magic. I don't know. Yep. He doesn't need to wash them. He doesn't need nutrition. He can live on syrup and candy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which is another thing I want to point out. There is a lot of fucking syrup and like soda and candy and oh, yeah. syrup covered things drink really and eaten in this. Too. Yo. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, whoever. I think mostly Will Ferrell had to be the one to do it. But even yeah. like a couple scenes. Because as filmmakers, <laughs> we know... You gotta no no scene is one shot unless yep. you're lucky as fuck. You and, gotta do some takes. <laughs> or you're experimental or whatever. Usually you're gonna be doing takes. I do and get the eating, feeling that Will Ferrell on the the main moment that, uh, in regards to this where he has the spaghetti, tons yeah, of syrup, like all candy, the candy, marshmallows, that was like first take. pop tarts. I think that was one take. I think he just did that shoved his face and then and they were like fuck were like, you just that, that was that. good <laughs> he was like yeah i did that <laughs> yep um i want to call out the kyoto brothers who were the team in charge of all of the stop motion and animation in this movie and it it's so perfect i mean it's not as like seamless as maybe they would have been able to achieve uh later on or more currently but man it looks good it looks so classic really and the way the the little am- animals bye buddy or the 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 narwhal oh, who's voiced by narwhal, john favreau man. by the way if you didn't know bye, bye buddy. buddy hope, hope you, you find, find your dad. dad i mean that's that, come on iconic and we all remember that one really cool uh moment from the documentary that they pointed out was the entire sequence of the snowman that he's talking to was made in like 24 hours. I forget her name. By one woman. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking just through the, the... did it. Uh, the credits and I can't find... Uh, I don't remember exactly what her name is, but um, I'll try and look it up and put it in the, in the description because she deserves some credit because they She had, said in the documentary she stayed up for 26 hours yeah, straight doing one She drank one like shot. seven pots of coffee and just oh got it God. done because they found out on like a a very small time schedule that they were going to have a first screening and John Favreau was very worried that if they didn't have an example of what they were thinking with the stop motion stuff that I it think might he's get right too. I think like, he's right I too, think yeah. that this was a detrimental part to the vibe of the film. Yeah. Um which is also the vibe of this film they talked about when they brought it to a producer, they brought them um clips of will ferrell in new york like him behind the glass of gimbals looking out being like dad dad james and this producer is like do you think this is funny and the guy who gave him this clips decided to stick with his guns and be like fuck yeah this is really funny awesome and because of that at least according to that documentary we've Mm -hmm. referenced enough times that you don't have to watch it Mm -hmm. uh they were able to just go full on with that vibe of goofy but not like stupid like and yeah, i don't mean to yeah. call that the just because we talked about them in our most recent movie episode fairly brothers make kind mm. of stupid comedy yeah uh in a way that is accessible often like dumb and dumber like mm. that movie 
you can't say that movie isn't stupid. Yeah. It's called Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> yep. Like, and that's what makes it fun, you know? And I think yeah. this movie, uh, when whoever this producer was that didn't like the vibe, I think he got that vibe from those clips. But but the uh, crew knew that, like, there was way more of a, a sweetness to mm. the stupidity, you yeah. know? He's yeah. just too sweet, as I've said before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that they, they just buckled down on that vibe and it sticks the whole movie too. Like it, there's never once a moment where you settle in finally. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. even by the end of the movie, you're still just like, this is just sweet and I love it, you yeah. know? There's a good bit of cringe comedy as well, but it's it's the brand, which I don't, I'm not a huge person on cringe comedy. I've watched all of The Office. I like The Office, but every time I actually do rewatch it, I don't actually enjoy a lot of the episodes <laughs> because I just, it's, I don't like that feeling of just like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. And there's like, we some recently of that. talked about like Borat being another yeah. example oh, of that. Yeah. Like, very you can much appreciate not, it as an art form my, and as a performance artist, but yeah. uh, it's hard to watch that if yeah. you don't like cringe comedy. It is comedy. not my deal at all. There's a bit of cringe comedy in here, but it's coming from someone who's so sweet and just does not understand. Yeah, he's not trying not... to fuck with people. Yeah, he's just and he's not being himself, being in front horrible, of and not realizing it. He's being yes. so sweet in ways that break etiquette, in ways that make us uncomfortable. Yeah, like him bursting into a store and being like, "You did it! World's yeah. best cup of coffee!" Right? That's, that's technically cringe comedy. Yeah, but it's you're cringing because you're like, "Oh man, you're too nice." <laughs> yeah, like, right. That's not he, actually the world's best. He buys that lingerie for Walter because he, <laughs> for that special someone is what the sign said, and he just doesn't understand that. And he's trying to get something nice for him, but it's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you did that!" But it's never in like. A, a sort of painful way it's in a way that rustles you in your seat and then makes you giggle because of how nice yeah. he is you know yeah uh where'd you get the christmas tree buddy cut it down at the park and right then later we find out he got a felony for it yeah. and like, you can replant right. the tree like you know it all works and blends and and oh. it's it's done so through uh i really think the lens of john favreau and his crew because there was another point where um, in this documentary they talked about the movie. Didn't they basically talk about the movie getting like shut down and the entire crew backing John Favreau up or something like that? Oh, yeah. What happened was after they were done filming, Old School came out, like we mentioned, and the studio wanted to change it. And yes, so they were trying to edit it, it differently. And the Which entire we crew was just like, no, you can't do that. That is not the yeah. movie we made. Which, when I found that out and then watched this movie, it's clear. Like, there's nobody in this crew that isn't committed. Because that's very easy to tell right away in any movie when, you know, one unit or one section of people of, of the crew just didn't care as much or whatever. Yeah. This is a movie that's made by a ton of people that genuinely want to create that timeless Christmas classic. Not just John Favreau. It's yeah. the whole oh, crew. Absolutely. It's the whole crew and we've talked a lot about a lot of different people who've made this thing work and made this thing get on its feet. But I think also one of the biggest attributes this movie has is the incredible cast. I mean... It's... The, we'll get to the it, main it's one of those in just a minute. Casts that has aged well. You know yeah. when you watch a movie and you're like, "Oh my god, that guy!" 
this is kind of that. Yeah. But also some of them are like, I have never seen this guy since. And he was so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, who I'm referencing is like the little brother, Michael. Oh, yeah. This is like his he only really movie. didn't do much else. Um, his name's he Daniel He hasn't done anything Tay. else live action. He's done some voice work. But yeah. I really like him in this movie because he's such a kid I knew in high school slash Absolutely. partly me in high school yeah. or middle school more, big coat you know? hat kind of down that over hat face. with like the the slight brim on it you know yeah. like it's a stocking cap but has the brim i totally had one of those I was goofy like, I need one but kind of those. cool like i love the way he's yeah. at the dinner table talking to his mom and he's just like i got stuff to do <laughs> i want to go to my room and eat this day and he's doing like a voice and it's very funny but he's also kind of just like a little kid but also when Buddy is cramping his style, he's like, "Get away from me! Like, I'm you're, I'm trying to be cool here." Yeah, and the snowball fight, which is oh, the best snowball fight in film sequence. scene in yeah. film history, is what wins him over. It's not him like looking cool in front of his friends. It's him yep. being cool. It's cool to him that Buddy is good at snowball fights. It's it's not cool to him that Buddy is like. Uh, you know, like a badass. I yep. think it's cool to him in that moment that he can have fun. Yeah. You know, he's like, wait, my dad is never having fun with me. This is my brother, who I'm still not sure is like actually my right. brother or whatever, but he's like a an adult snowball fighting with me. Yeah. Fuck and yeah. And then like, they have a great day together. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, there's some actors in the office that I. I forgot we're in this movie and I'm so psyched about. I love the pairing of Andy yes. Richter and Kyle Gass as the two Perfect. guys pitching. In my movie. head, I remembered them being twins. Yeah. And watching this movie, they just play off each other so well that so they could well. be brothers. You yeah. know, it's like a perfect casting of two writers yeah. that are like, and it's not uh, done in a way that's been done too many times of the what are you finishing my sentences no what are you doing what do you mean what am i doing right no you know like that's not the characters at all they are genuinely like okay we've got an idea here's the (laughs) pitch you know it's a bad idea i love fucking kyle gas saying okay what about this asparagus and they're worried (gasps) about the smell of their pee And he sort of, like, starts to... He, like, kind of leaves it open, but that's the end of the idea. And he, like, looks around (laughs) at the others and then, like, settles his face. Like, that's it. That's the idea. (laughs) It's so funny. Kyle Gass is an underappreciated comedic actor. Oh, yeah. For sure. Because he has not been in enough. He's so funny to me. Andy Richter, too. Like, I, he's so funny in this, but... Uh, I forgot like it was Kyle Gass. Conan's that, that sidekick yeah. now, but Andy Richter's funny. I like him. Amy Sedaris is the the receptionist. She's the so... assistant, whatever. What is the word I want to use? She's Deb in this movie. <laughs> My stepmom, Deb. Yeah. That is an actual adjective for anyone who knows my uh, stepmom. Yeah. And it's a good one. She's like... Very cheerful... Like, if the sun were a human being, you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I love it. I love how uh, she plays off of Will Ferrell's um, charm and pl- yep. totally uh, keeps Leans up. into it. Yeah, Imagine absolutely. having to keep up with someone that good. Will and Ferrell, yeah. Just, I mean, you can just tell. Like, there's a moment when, like, uh, he burps 
from his huge <laughs> yep. drink of Coke, which I'm still like, how did they film that? Did he drink that two liter? I don't know. Shout out man. to Badlands Chugs, by the way. Let's put a link for Badlands Chugs because oh. he is a YouTuber who chugs things and oh my God. is the best one if you, you're sure. into that thing. Okay. He, don't touch that mouse. Anyway, <laughs> um, you'll know what I mean when you watch Badlands Chugs video. But that's what that reminded me of. And I'm like, shit, like he fucking drank that. But you can tell that in his during his burp, uh, Michael, or who plays Michael, mm-hmm. is really holding back a smile. Yeah. Um, Daniel Tay. Uh, who you were just talking about. What's her name? Amy, Amy uh, Sedaris. She Amy plays Sedaris? Uh, Princess Carolyn on BoJack Horseman, which you still got to oh. watch. Yeah, fuck. There's so many things. Yeah, I know. I'm I bad. Know. The list I will, is long. though. It's I right. will. Wow. Does she just, like, effortlessly hold her own? Yep. And at even a couple points outshine the people uh, in her scenes. Mm-hmm. Just there's something about Will Ferrell being like, your face is so pretty it should be on a Christmas card. Yeah. That's great. Her reaction of, you just made my day, is something that I never forgot. Like, yeah. watching it this time felt like you know a clip from the disney channel that played between commercials i was yep. like holy shit i have that on a loop in my head her saying you just made my day that moment is like why i compliment people because she just i don't know there's something yeah. so sweet and like charming about her and funny even at points peter dinklage peter dinklage peter dinklage peter dinklage peter dinklage peter peter dinklage peter dinklage peter dinklage okay peter dinklage is in this movie and i want to know what you think about that because this is like such an interestingly handled scene yeah such an interesting scene in general this uh, is the only one of the cringe comedy that makes me go, oh no. Yep, me too. But I think it holds I up. I know, based on interviews, yeah. with, and this is not, based on interviews, I know that this guy thinks it's fine. <laughs> Fuck that. I I'm mean, not yes. like trying to justify possibly something that is offensive because there is a borderline offensive comedy in that yes. scene. It helps to know um, that in that situation, that, the person who was in the scene wasn't like didn't have feelings like this is fucked up but it's a job you know Peter Dinklage has forthright said like the work I want to make is work that like doesn't have anything to do with my dwarfism he said that like is that the appropriate term uh, for is that what Peter Dinklage has yeah I think so I think dwarfism is, is the technical term for the the condition i think i think they prefer to be referred to as little people i just know that peter dinklage through his career turned down role after role after role after role that was trying to utilize that in a comedic way or in a way that was like uh all right so you play a guy who your whole life has sucked because you're a little person yeah and now you get a chance you know he's he's not into that and this bit is truly a naive like naivete i don't know like fucking will ferrell's character being so dumb it's that cringe comedy thing right where he's got to get his ass kicked and he does though that's the thing he gets his ass kicked by that's the thing yeah peter dinklage the character's name is miles finch 
uh, if you haven't watched the movie recently or you don't remember, this is some a, a writer, a very famous child's book writer that uh, Walter, James Kahn's character, he works at like a children's book company and he works on the business side, basically. And he's having a rough time. And him and this team of Andy Richter and Kyle Gass try to bring in this famous person, Miles Finch. And he comes in and he commands the room. I mean, he like, even when they're on it's the phone, awesome. he's like... His performance... Commanding I want a car around. to pick me up, and I want the inside to be seventy-two degrees. Right, and then yep. there's like a long, like a an interruption, mm-hmm. and then the pause, and they're like we lost them, and then we just hear, "I'll be there tomorrow." Yep. Seventy-two degrees, like it's <laughs> yep. just so good. And the way that when Buddy the Elf fucks this up so bad, he gets his ass kicked. Like Miles Finch kicks his ass and like really teaches think, him a lesson. I just think. The uh, the way this could have been handled a little better is simply to have him realize he is not, in fact, an elf and that that is, in fact, not okay to do. Yeah. He just gets his ass kicked and then still goes, you're an elf, you know, like, and <laughs> yeah, it's really true. funny because he's getting his ass kicked and like, dude, stop. But he just does not understand. He yeah, still right. does not get it. And that's funny. Um, if but, they had given yeah, a I scene like afterwards, because of it's someone a kids movie, it as much him. as it's a family movie, and as much as I can hope that the families watching this mm. can explain to their kids, like right. the reason why this is especially funny is because this kind of thing is actually played for jokes all the time in the real world, and mm-hmm. you should get your ass kicked if you think that yeah. someone being born a different way than you is funny. Right, and unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. There's going to be kids who watch this movie and then. If they see someone that looks different than them, they might use it as an opportunity to be like, you're an elf or something. Right, I remember yeah. as a kid thinking with that mindset a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be kind of like a, yeah, I don't know if that was handled perfectly. Sure. But the fact that it's Peter Dinklage, like I said, makes me go, he probably read the script and was like, if there was anything that he didn't like about it, I don't think Peter Dinklage would have taken it, you know, right. based yeah. on what... But that's not my place either, really. That's that's just an interesting conversation. Absolutely. Uh, Uh, I think we should move on to some of the heavier hitters in this movie. Uh, We touched on the fact that Ed Asner is Santa, who's perfect. This is Santa. Come on. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I don't see Santa as anyone else. And they talk about, uh, or I think I read this maybe online, his costume design is based on the classic Coca-Cola ads. Oh, nice. Yeah, totally. is also just that Santa. Santa. Because, yeah. like, I mean, when you think about it, Christmas is just America's way to sell shit. Yeah. So, of course, what we see as Santa is <laughs> right. the Coca-Cola Santa. Yeah. And Fred Astner becomes that. Yeah. He becomes live-action Coca-Cola Santa, you know? We've, we've, uh, we've also got Bob Newhart as Papa Elf, who's just so perfectly dry and awkward he serves his the, purpose yes, in this movie it's the dryness, so wonderfully man. Uh, him yeah. just looking I, around I and being like all right i'll take it yep you know right exactly um i love uh this family james Kahn, mary steenbergen and uh daniel tay the kid we we already touched on but james Kahn was a big name this is probably the last thing from the documentary that we watched that i want to touch on and bring up in this episode which is Basically, everybody was super nervous to work with James Caan, to work with Sonny Carleone, like super sort of intense actor, at least in the roles he's portrayed, especially with, you know, all these people who are just getting started. David Barenbaum had never 
gotten a movie made before. These producers hadn't either. Uh, John Favreau had been in some movies, but he'd never directed a full feature on his own. Like, these are people new to the scene, and here's seasoned James Caan. They were all very nervous to work with him. First day on set, they told this story in the documentary that James Caan sort of got in front of everybody, the crew and, and everybody, and got up and, and said, I just want to say, through this process, I'm not James Caan. I'm Jimmy the Dream. To the point where they literally, like, changed the stitching on his chair from uh, James Caan to The Dream. Uh, and he wanted to just, like, be a dream to work with. And they say he was. There was also some conflict between him and Will Ferrell when Will would take the bits too far. Um, but it worked for the for the scene. Yeah, I, want, I think those are the scenes we got, you know? Like, I think we got the cuts that were Will Ferrell taking it too far. And- yeah. Oh, that James Conn breaking a little bit. Yeah, right, stop it. You know the last story from from the thing uh, about that from the documentary is I love the fact that apparently they were doing the scene where Walter snaps at Buddy and says, "Get out of here! I don't want you as my son. I don't want you in my life. Get out of here." Um, after he fucks up the meeting with Miles Finch, which honestly, <laughs> watching it this time, I was like, warranted. <laughs> to be honest, he has yeah, fucked like- him up so bad. Um, this is the thing though he shouldn't be having that meeting in the first place he's trying to get ideas from another writer to be able to sell them as his own right which is a whole nother my that's like a b plot i never noticed right i just thought he's on the naughty list because he's a dick but his whole job is like trying to market and it's basically a like shitty version of what disney does you know just like reproducing bullshit but like not even having the last two pages in there sorry go ahead so they're shooting this scene and apparently john favreau went up and whispered something in james Conn's ear and he just nodded and then that next take was the take they used in the movie and you feel it you feel the raw and apparently what he whispered in his ear was remember you're sonny carleone <laughs> and that's the energy he brought. That's all like, you would need to be reminded told if him. you played that role, to be reminded that you played that role. Right. You know, imagine. I mean, I think maybe that's part of the anger, but also just bringing that raw intensity of that character who will just beat the shit out of people to this dad, you know? Yeah. Mary Steenburgen is like sitcom mom in my mind. And it's because of Elf and Step Brothers. Which both feature great chemistry between her and Will Ferrell yeah. that are completely different. That's so true. They're the same and different. Because like yep. Will Ferrell's thing, which we're we're going to get to him in a minute mm-hmm. here, is being like a little kid in a man's body. Yep. And Elf is not quite that. Elf is a man raised by the childish notions yeah. of a community and his interactions with Mary Steenburgen don't feel as uh, like Step Brothers has like a okay Brennan now <laughs> right. got your special sauce and I don't want my special sauce right. you know it's like that's funny but what's great about this is it's it's genuinely like a their sweet interactions between like yeah uh, an adult son and like a woman who's trying to like connect with him and trying to give him a chance at like yeah 
you know, like when he makes breakfast for her is the thing I'm thinking. Right. And yeah, absolutely. She's just like forcing it down and being like, hmm, mm, that's really that's good. good. Yep. I'm like, holy shit, you made that overnight? Like, right. I don't know. There's something about their chemistry that feels more natural, where Step Brothers is like, this isn't the real world. This is right. uh, the world of comedy. And obviously, Elf isn't the real world either. But the, and the relationships in Elf are very real, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this one, I, yeah, I love them. And I love her relationship with James Caan. Yeah. Being the it feels slightly organic. distanced husband. Yep. But you can tell that they still, like, have a good relationship when he talks about Buddy and she says, this is great. Right. You have another son? Yeah. As an adult now, when I watch that, I'm like, fuck, what a good, Man. like, woman yeah. to just immediately be like, yeah, that's great that you have another son that I don't even know about. You know, like... Mm-hmm. That is, I don't know if if I was with someone for years and years and years, and I was like, by the yeah, way, kid together, I've and got then, another son, and he's right. like 30s in his thirties. Like, oh, that might be a big conversation. And him even noticing that she's cool with that was mm-hmm. well done. I think. Yeah, I think they I did agree. a really cool. And then him just being like, but he thinks he's an elf. I don't know. Like they <laughs> right. they perfectly draw this line, and then they show her reaction. In her face when mm-hmm. she notices, like, oh, my God, our house is decorated like the North right. Pole. Yep. And it's perfect. She perfectly encapsulates, because James Kahn is us, you know, real people dealing mm-hmm. with this, but he's pissed off about it. Yeah. She's not. She's mm-hmm. just dealing with it. Yeah. She's there. So she is yeah. the most us there is in this movie, because Zoe Deschanel is the love interest, so we don't fully... Unless you have, like, a crush on Will Ferrell. Zoe Deschanel is very good for this role, in my opinion. I think the brand of performance that Zoe Deschanel brings to a role, it's not terribly different, but I think it is distinct in this circumstance. But what she brings, I think, is perfect for this movie. This is kind of, and I don't know if this is, like, overpraising, but this is, like, her winter's bone to Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, interesting, yeah. When I watch this movie, it's not Zoe Deschanel. Right. It's, Me too. It's uh, yep. Jovi. Yep. It's the character of Jovi, which is like the coolest fucking name, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's a cool name. When a movie has characters with interesting names, fuck mm-hmm. yeah. Jovi, fuck yeah. Jovi's a great name. Um, She can sing so well. I mean, sure, she has such a beautiful voice. And I know and it's, it's sort real. of like that. It didn't sound dubbed. Thing. You know, like that. It's a, I love it's it. a thing, but... I think it's she great. made the thing popular, didn't she? Or maybe no, was, it might I think be it was um, around this time. Uh, who sings? Uh, didn't come. I'm bad at doing <laughs> that. You know better than anyone. Whenever I try to re- <laughs> recreate a song try for you, do it. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know I that song that's name, like. But, you know africa by toto <laughs> yeah right <laughs> uh nora jones nora jones oh has yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah has that jazzy breathy but yep. like i think that inspired this but also now everyone kind of sounds like that yeah. but there's never a moment of like weird dubbing in this movie with her singing i'm pretty yeah. sure she just actually was singing which is cool i think so too um for some reason it's not like blaringly apparent that no human being on earth would ever actually like accept going on a date with this crazy dude who yells in the store and like literally thinks he's an elf and never drops it and like uh but i don't 
feel that when I'm watching it. Eva said that. Some... She, she walked in on me watching it, and she was like, at the scene where he asks her out, and she's like, no human being would ever do that. And I was like, even with the yeah, kid, but... like, next to her, kind of? She was like, no. And I was like, yeah, you're totally right. Absolutely, you're right. But it doesn't bother me at all, you know? It's just sweet. And it's something it about what she brings, you know? Yeah, I think there has a... It has a lot to do with... Um, well, their relationship develops in a way throughout mm-hmm. the movie, especially yeah. in the beginning. And it's not... I think they could have added a little more, maybe, to her character, more depth to give it... Like, give him reason for liking her other than beauty and a beautiful voice. But, mm-hmm. like, I honestly think that when he says, no, I just appreciate another human with an affinity for elf culture. Yeah. I think she right. actually thought that was funny, you know? Yeah, and I totally. think him singing in the store to her is like self-confidence mm-hmm. and then he tells her you have the most beautiful voice i've ever heard in the world yeah and that's like holy shit a person like gives a shit about me and i don't like the trope of like the girl who no one noticed is being noticed so now she falls right. in love sure and it's a little bit of that it is a little bit that also she's impressed with him like making the store into a winter wonderland and just right. owning it yeah um but yes i get why it's far-fetched but it's I mean, he did walk through a candy cane forest. Yeah, it's like, it's not the movie to go, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, it's like watching uh, that movie with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson being like, she would never with Bill Murray. It's Bill, but like, it's a movie and that's uh, that's not how people work. I mean, the age gap thing does always bring me personally out of it. I really don't like that. And actually, I had the thought in this movie and Will Ferrell is like, 36 here somewhere around that zoe deschanel is like 23 and it Um, does make me go that's a bit i mm." if i didn't know that i wouldn't realize that though right he looks young and she looks old i have a hypersensitivity (laughs) there's even a joke in this movie i'm glad we're talking about age yeah so when buddy is sent to the mail room yeah, and he's working, and oh he gets God. drunk with this yep. guy in the mailroom because yep. he thinks it's syrup, not whiskey. They're laying down. Yeah, this dude is clearly like in his forties, and I looked up 100%. his age when he made Elf. He was like forty-eight or yep. something, and he goes, "Yeah, man. I mean, I'm twenty-six. Like, I've lived <laughs> so much of my life. <laughs> I don't oh know God. why, but I laughed so hard. Just change at this that guy line, being like." <laughs> Just I'm change 26. that line. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't, man. It's the funny. Guy being yeah. 26 is so funny to me. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> he's not. Tw- he's 50. You know. It's time, I think, to talk about what this movie really rests so much upon. All of this is very important. Everything we've talked about, and we've touched on this a little bit, but Will Ferrell's commitment and achieved performance in this role is i think this might be the role of his career i agree and i do this too much on this show but i don't care because it's what (laughs) i'm realizing we've had enough episodes where i've we've got roles we play yeah one of the things i do is i make comparisons Mm -hmm. and i would say this is his school of rock ah yep i feel that i think jack black is great and he's been awesome in a lot of movies and like love love him in the new Jumanji's. I even liked him in King Kong with like mm. a more serious role. Yeah. But None uh, of and like Tenacious D is cool. like the most Jack Black thing there is. It's Tenacious D. It's yeah. his band. Right. But School of Rock 
is not only the best his best performance of his career, it also feels like a performance that was literally made for him. Yes, absolutely. This movie, Same and it thing. was actually, School of Rock was written for Jack Black. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other story. I think I've actually already told that story. We'll do that um, at some point, that movie. Yeah, but this this movie, the original ideas, there wasn't an original idea to cast Will Ferrell. It was the movie. Right. And then they were like, all right, uh, Chris Farley. And yeah. they liked it so little. They were so against the idea of having it be Chris, the, the yeah. studio driving Chris Farley to make this a like yeah. body comedy, uh, mm-hmm. farcical um cuz Chris Farley was one of the most brilliant physical comedians of absolutely ever yeah um but it would be a physical comedy that, right. like that's it, what it, the movie would be, turn into yeah. which is different mm-hmm. um i mean not that there's not physical comedy to this but Will Ferrell which Will Ferrell is great at they phrased it really well in that documentary that that we watched which was basically one of the producers was saying, Will Ferrell, even in every bit you see him on SNL, he brings this innocence, this like yes. excited innocence to every role that he had. And that's what is the essence of Buddy. It's this beautiful, Hot excited take, incident. But I innocence. think his performance in this is just the better version of his performance in almost every movie he's been in since this. Yeah, I agree. His smile and genuine joy when he does the fucked up like stupidest fucked up shit yep. is so funny and so you smile you don't mm-hmm. laugh at him you you smile and appreciate him as a person yep. you're like I love this guy and it's funny it's a mix and yeah that's it's it's a miracle to me that this movie wasn't written for him you know like so much of the comedy yeah is I think they did say that even in the documentary that they almost every scene they do a pass and then they do another one where right. they're like all right now you know just have fun spice with it, it up yeah they yeah. showed a bunch of clips that made me so happy of just them having fun shooting it and Will cracking up the crew and oh you you just see all of the love and um, passion that went into this movie and fun that went into making this movie. And like I said at the beginning, that's why it's so good. Like, this is a movie that made it because the people who were making it had passion and and joy in the process of it. Will Ferrell oh, uh, being one of the one of the biggest assets to it. Oh man, talking about Will Ferrell, I, I'm seeing my uh, <laughs> I'm just seeing like my notes on him. Mm-hmm. From him being in Gimbal's, which is like a Macy's kind of store for the first time, mm-hmm. and riffing with uh, the store manager. It's not yeah. the North Pole. It is the North Pole. Yeah. It's not the North Pole. And just like, right. that's not right. No, Santa doesn't look like that. Like him, yep. him just being so like, no, you're yep. wrong. And the guy being like, why are you arguing with your man? Just get to work. Yeah. You know, that shit. And then uh, Will Ferrell, this is a sweet thing mm. that made me tear up a little, like mm. have a little, oh, uh-huh. yeah. Will Ferrell interacting with that little kid at the doctor's office. Yes, absolutely. Sitting outside and it didn't feel staged. It didn't feel acted. Mm-hmm. It felt like something that I could come across in real life. Yep. Like that is 
Will Ferrell is probably a fucking fantastic babysitter. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like probably. just or at least at that time he would have been because just his interaction with this little girl is so heartwarming and beautiful and sweet, and he he communicates with her like a human being would yes. communicate with another human being. Yep. Not like an adult would with a little kid. Not like two little kids would in a movie, quote unquote. Like yeah. people write little kids talking. They just talk. Just two people. But they talk about the things that she would, you know, and he's like, like what do you want for yeah. Christmas? I'll put a good right. word in with the big man. Yeah. And then in the end, when uh, Michael's okay. reading off. When this little girl is, who is like seven years old, is in her bed alone watching the news. I'm just... <laughs> This is not the movie to do that, but it did strike There's me. There's also like, That's an eight, funny. like an eight or nine year old boy doing that too. Goes yeah. yes, yeah. And like points at his that. TV. Yeah, I love. Yeah, it's for those moments. That's why they're watching the news. Right. Uh, I like to think that the reason why all these kids are tuned into the news is because it's the it's, it's the Christmas Eve and something's going on. Yeah, what if it's right. Santa? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her going thanks, buddy. Yeah. When she finds out that that word was put in even though we didn't buddy probably never told santa that like actually yeah. but her telling knew. buddy that my head canon for it is when a kid sits on a surrogate santa's lap in this universe santa mm. finds out what they want yeah and her telling okay. buddy that was was how best. he found out you know oh, what i mean nice. yeah um but yeah him in general interacting with kids and then throughout his acting feels the same way that it is in that scene, right. even with everyone else. But that scene is what shines it for me. It feels for like, feels very genuinely like if this person existed, that's how they would act and feel in these moments. You know, it's so... Yeah. Yep, that's what it would be. And that's like kind of why I made that School of Rock comparison. Because mm-hmm. when you watch, I don't know how long it's been since you watched been a that. While. But it's... Ooh, there we go. A little sneaking. We might have to do that one one day. You know? But uh, Jack Black performing mostly with kid co-stars yeah. is, it, it makes you, yeah, you have to, I think you have to be a special kind of adult actor to make that possible. And uh, Will Ferrell is the same in that regard, where he's able to bring that sense of innocence, bring that sense of realism and... All of it is charming, not annoying. Mm-hmm. He's annoying a lot. Yeah. I get that critique yes. of Will Ferrell. This is that. like the least annoying performance of his career to me. Yeah. And I get why some people might disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Might not like whatever. Yeah. But good God, I love it. Well, speaking of the kids involved in interactions with kids, I think it's time that we talk about a kid moment of the week. I probably don't even need to do that because you like edit in kids. Hell yeah, I do. I love the uh, uh, your dad. He's on the naughty list. No, I mean that two shot. Yes, I love. I love. I love a lot that happens at this North Pole. Him falling over and landing on an elf, and then like you. I think they have like a little kid or something. Yes, a hundred percent. Or. Uh, I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. <gasps> God, that's so funny. And like, You're not a cotton-headed being, ninny muggins. And that feels like a thing. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not sure if it was invented in one of those old Raskin Bass productions or if this movie invented that word. Yeah. But that word sticks in my brain as a kid. I used to think about how funny that word would be to use as an insult. Cotton-headed ninny muggins. It's good. 
Um, it's great. Uh, how about the fact that the guy that's the leader of the elves this isn't as much of a kid moment i guess it's just funny for me yeah but i have to say it he walks in and you're like oh my god that's the kid from a toy story oh or yeah. not a toy story, from a, a christmas, christmas story. story yeah yeah but he's like an adult now i don't know yeah, that shit cracks me funny. up um another kid moment i mean definitely the, the spaghetti this whole movie is kids moments but movie, yes yeah the the spaghetti. Spaghetti, like the, the one where he shovels it in his face yes. or the original one where he's like i love syrup and like pulls I a think, little thing out of his sleeve i think the big one i think the that big is one funny is to a kid and also kind of like i want to do that <laughs> you know yeah totally that's and that's a good kid moment because it's not just funny it's yeah yeah i want to do that uh that might be i think that might it's be just it like there me. are so many the burp There's might so be many. another the one burp that's a is great also good it wasn't as effective to me this time as i remembered it being i remember liking the burp and i remember this time being like that's it's a, a burp. D- dubbed burp <laughs> that is yeah. will holding his mouth open and maybe going uh and audio then editing in a burp but, yeah um, which is for me kind of funny still like, funny I, yeah that, that makes it As funny like sure, the campiness sure. of it you know i get that i think i'm sticking uh, with the spaghetti ooh. personally i'm sticking with the spaghetti too but bringing one more runner yeah. up yeah. um i forget what they call it because it's a special stunt shot where will is like oh i'll get it and he runs out of the room oh yeah and the stunt man runs in and jumps on the tree jumps and the tree, the tree falls over yeah that's an iconic that's pretty great moment. that's true uh, but I think the but, the official uh, the official moment award goes to goes to that Paschetti mom's Paschetti. Uh, we <laughs> want to wish all of you a happy holidays, happy holiday season, um, whatever you celebrate. Uh, we timed or this don't. out with the episode so that we could watch this movie on our fiftieth episode again. Hell yeah, feels great to be here. Woo. Cool little landmark, um, and to have it come out right before christmas but after this we're going to be doing movies more often uh because i think we both enjoy doing it helps draw out avatar a little bit and um seems to be yeah, something now that we're getting this to the end there we kind of want to draw it out yeah man i don't want it to be over so basically after every three episodes of avatar we will be doing a movie so basically every other sunday you can look forward to a movie. And because of that, uh, there's a good chance that we're going to need some help with coming up with movies to watch. Yes, we will. This is a podcast about us revisiting things we liked as kids with this new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. Mm-hmm. But there are going to be things that maybe we haven't seen or only Calvin has seen or only I have seen that would still be valuable for us to check out with this new lens. Yeah. So if you think, hey, I remember this one. Let us know, and we'll mull it over, and if we find the time for it, we'll probably make it happen, because, hey, I don't see this podcast ending anytime soon. Yeah, me neither. We made it to 50, let's do 50 more. <laughs> if you uh, if you think of a movie you want us to talk about, you can tweet at us, or post on our page on Facebook, or message us on Instagram. All of those are going to be at New Lens Pod. You can also check out and comment on these episodes on legendary4.com. All of the episodes have comment sections. You can also, on that website, find 
our other podcast, our actual D&D podcast, Legendary 4 Adventures. Space Vampires. Thank you, Gary. I saw you warming up with a sip of Gatorade and then vocally preparing for that uh, Space Vampires. And then vampires, it was still the driest really, one. I think it really paid off. <laughs> I um, hope it wasn't too dry. My, <laughs> my throat has been dry. <laughs> thank you to Sofina Sago for our podcast art. Uh, check out those links for uh, helping out the Black Lives Matter movement in the description. And... Thank you all for listening, if you've been here the whole time, to 50 episodes of our podcast. Uh, it feels good. And have a happy candle night, holiday season, uh, winter solstice celebration. Stay safe, and uh, we'll see you next time. I'm Calvin. And I'm Gary. This has been a new lens. And if it made it into the editing, I hope you enjoyed that fireside chat. <laughs> and if that was said without any fire crackle, then that is Calvin fucking with me and deciding not to edit in a fireside crackle. Have a great one. <laughs>